C-Jam is a station that is user-friendly Programs that are for folks like you and me Broadcast in the Windsor and Detroit locality It's all about community C-Jam 99.1 FM Redefining radio in the Windsor, Detroit area Y'all tune in now, you hear? Good afternoon, everyone. You're listening to Magna Carta Pro Bono Radio on CJAM 99.1 FM. Uh, thank you all for listening today. I am Erin. And my name is Marie, and we will be your host for today on behalf of Pro Bono Students Canada. If you were able to catch Magna Carta's episode last Friday, thank you so much for listening in again. And if you weren't, you can always give it a listen on CJAM's website, www.cjam.ca, and it'll be located in the archives. So before we begin, we have to give our disclaimer again. Um, so anything said on this show is the opinion of those people only, so me, Marie, and uh, our volunteer later, and does not reflect the opinions of CGEM as a radio station. Uh, both Marie and I are students at the University of Windsor Faculty of Law, so that means we are not yet lawyers, and uh, nothing we say should be construed as giving legal advice. Yes, so we're not lawyers yet, but we <laughs> are volunteers with sure. uh, Pro Bono Students Canada. Uh, for anyone who hasn't heard about PBSC, it is the first pro bono organization in Canada. And this show is just one, one of the many programs that PBSC organizes. Um, so basically the organization, it aims to help train future lawyers by giving them practical experience, experience and um, also while increasing access to justice, 
for the community and uh, promoting pro bono work uh, within the profession. And so all projects that you hear about on our show, Magna Carta, are run by uh, student volunteers under the supervision of a lawyer. And so, yeah, our, our show just highlights many of the great projects that are uh, run by Pro Bono Students Canada Windsor Chapter. And so today we actually have a special show, the Pro Bono Project, which is um, our project. And so that's the one that we'll be discussing today, um, which has a focus on legal journalism and public legal education as a means to um, increasing access to justice within the community. So yeah, I'm really excited to talk about our own program today. Mm-hmm. It should be, uh, be fun. It's an interesting project, so lots to say about that. Um, but before we get more into our topic today, uh, we just want to take a minute or two to talk about um, a really important issue lately to CJAM and University of Windsor students, and that is the uh, recent changes to tuition fees. So these changes would make um, some mandatory fees for students now optional, which means that CGM could u- could be losing their primary source of funding. So um, right now we're doing what we can to put petitions out uh, to have campus radio stations deemed an essential service under the Student Choice Initiative. So if you know uh, if these issues matter to you, if you enjoy listening to our radio station, campus radio, all that good stuff, uh, we could really use your help. So if you want to take the time, you can write, call. Uh, make any noise, you know, uh, contact your local MPP, and maybe together we can get campus radio deemed to be essential. So let's get started in our topic today, pro bono radio. Um, I think all our listeners know what our project is about. We, you know, we feature these different projects. We talk about uh, access to justice, the importance of uh, public legal education. Mm -hmm. So Marie, why do you think it's so important that we have better access to justice? Um, well, the first thing that comes into my head when I think about access to justice mm-hmm. um, in the sense of, like, having representation is the fact that, like, lawyers are expensive. True. We all know this. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, like, that's the initial thing that I kind of think about when I think of access to justice is, like, these rates that you hear, like, when you think about having to go see a lawyer, it's, like, that's the first thing you think of is, like, money. Right. And so, obviously, that's a major access to justice problem. But then along with that also is like access to information and I feel like that's just as important so um that's just another like gap that often we see is when um people don't actually know their rights and Mm -hmm. they don't know how to find out about their rights or they don't understand it and yeah that's another those two things I think are the first things that I think of when I think of access to justice yeah I've definitely learned a lot about what I don't know you know coming into law school Mm -hmm. there's so much I just didn't know and people don't know about these statutes and case law and yeah about their rights it's true. i barely know and i'm studying it yeah i know i <laughs> definitely not an expert so no, uh, like i have to sit there for like an hour until i understand it so very it's complex just, yeah so yeah. it's crazy when you think like how is everyone else supposed to understand this and if they do try to like like seek help they need to pay for it mm-hmm. <laughs> so i mean we're lucky i think in canada that if we go to the doctor we you know our medical care is largely mm-hmm. paid for through taxes and you know education is largely until you get to post secondary anyway mm-hmm. but um with with uh legal services it's mostly not the same thing we do yeah. have some um you know legal clinics that help out those who are at a, a, a poverty line mm-hmm. but it doesn't reach 
a lot of people. Yeah, like um, there, I was reading this CB, CBC um, article, mm-hmm. and um, basically Ontario single parents, um, in order to qualify for like legal aid services, so like um, uh, government funded services, mm-hmm. the these families have to make less than twenty grand a year to to qualify for their fees to be taken care of. So it's a very very low threshold. Yes, yeah. very mm-hmm. and. Um, and so I think they can get partial funding if their income stays below twenty-five grand. But um, when this becomes a problem, is uh, people who earn enough money um, so that they don't qualify for legal aid, but then they also don't make enough money to mm-hmm. pay for a lawyer. Yeah, I'm sure so, that's probably the majority of people. I yeah, don't know. Ex- exactly. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. especially depending on like what you need the lawyer for, or how how many hours and whatnot. So it's definitely a very hefty bill that a lot of people can't. They can't just can't afford. Yeah. And even if you have a good case and your rights have been violated, for instance, it's not always it's not always worth it to go to court when you look at, you know, mm-hmm, the cost exactly. of a lawyer versus what you may get. And mm-hmm. as a result, it just not might not be worth it. Exactly. And then it just kind of it, it just seems like a huge gap in the system because the, the system is supposed to be there to like help against injustice mm-hmm. or um to uphold people's rights, but then not everyone is able to like take full advantage of of those opportunities. Definitely, yeah, yeah. So I feel like um, a field that we see this a lot in, and where the problem I think is um, very pronounced is uh, family law cases, um, because like you could have one spouse who has more means and another spouse mm-hmm. who doesn't, and then it's like that's kind of unfair mm-hmm. that one has that like advantage, that monetary advantage that can like get them that like they can fight for longer if they want to or mm-hmm. if they don't want to fight then like the other spouse might not fight because they don't can't afford it so. yeah very yeah. good point and we know that a lot of trial decisions well some of them get overturned right on appeal mm-hmm. but think of all the trial decisions out there that the you know a party couldn't afford to bring it to an appeal court yeah exactly. and so it's just it could have been bad law maybe the decision wasn't right but if you can't afford to go through the court process again yeah it's uh yeah that's very true and if Mm -hmm. we know anything from our classes is that there has been a lot of bad trial decisions out there (laughs) yep yep (laughs) now one um actually a supreme court decision i thought that was a bit relevant to our topic is uh christie and british columbia attorney general and this was from 2007 um so the the court was talking about whether there is a right to counsel and this is not just for criminal um, criminal law or circumstances where there's an arrest or detention, where um, under the charter we do have a right. But the court was looking at situations like, you know, a civil litigation or, or mm-hmm. other, you know, like the family law right. you were talking about. And so the court said that um, there is no general right to a counsel. And the reason was, uh, one of the reasons they were worried that that right would make um, access to justice lower. So mm-hmm. it might be harder if, if there was a right and you couldn't afford a lawyer, oh, right. you know, it, where would you get your lawyer? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure there's enough lawyers to go around. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And there's um, a lot of decisions also go through, you know, small claims courts and tribunals. So in, in those situations, you don't really need counsel. Um, they're mm-hmm. kind of set up that so that you don't necessarily need a lawyer with you for the process, which is kind of good, I think. So people can get some of their rights um, or issues adjudicated there. But when you try to move up the ladder into higher courts, it's pretty hard to go through that process without someone guiding you. Yeah, definitely. You wouldn't 
you wouldn't know where to start. I mean, like, you need to know the law to apply it, right? So, mm-hmm. so there are some good resources if you're interested in the law. And I didn't know about these until kind of like maybe my end of first year, second year, a lot of them. Um, even just online, you can find, you know, you can find case law, you can find your legislation. Um, there's open access journals you can check out. So the mm-hmm. all Supreme Court decisions, if, if you're into reading those, um, you can find them at a website, uh, SCC Lexum. Um, so Canley is yeah. also free, Canley. right? Yeah, Canley is free. They have quite a few cases. Yeah, um, Canley is pretty good. Like, I remember I used to use it in, like, my undergrad. Oh, did you? That's yeah, because, cool. yeah. like, we didn't, we didn't have, yeah, no, we didn't, the school didn't, I didn't have, like, a law-related, um, it was, like, criminology. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so Canley had most cases. Yeah, that's C-A-N-L-I-I. Um, you can find Ontario legislation on e-laws. Uh, federal uh, statutes are on justice laws. Um, so yeah, there's quite a bit available online, but a lot of legal information is not open access and you do mm-hmm. need, you know, you need to pay your subscription to, to right. access it. So there's still like a, there is still a barrier there money wise anyway. Other thing that I feel like I think about when I think of um, access to justice and just like the gaps that we've talked about. So like financial mm-hmm. gaps or informational gaps um another thing that like i can't help but like think about is people who are dealing with the with the legal system and like Mm -hmm. needing to obtain legal services like often they're going through stressful periods in their life probably maybe some of the most stressful periods they've ever had to deal with oh yeah definitely and so it just like oh it breaks my heart thinking that like there's more you know it's not just the stress of your case it's the stress of like the legal system so that's why that's why access justice is so important, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, most people aren't accessing the legal system when they're in good situations, right? Like yeah, maybe no. if you buy a house, you might need a real estate lawyer. That's a good thing. But that's or, stressful but too, I bet. I, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> no, um, that's exciting, I'm sure. But um, it's mostly like, yeah, so bad things like, oh, you got convicted or you got, you got yeah, charged with something. Or getting or a divorce. Getting divorced. So yeah, so a lot of times it's these negative situations compounded with that. Mm-hmm. that stress and worrying if you can even afford to to carry this on through court exactly and, and so the, yeah that's just that's why we're we're per- such advocates here at Windsor law for access to justice yeah for yeah. sure but mm-hmm. then another thing i think about is like um so we have like windsor law who we um try to outreach in the community and offer services through like clinics or through like pro bono work mm-hmm. Um, organizing lawyers and volunteers to come together to offer these services. Um, But then you think about other communities that don't have a law school down the street or don't have the, like, economic drive to Mm -hmm. have these, like, services. Yeah. And then, yeah, that's just another way that we see the unequal effect that the law has in, like, different communities that, that don't have these these services available for them yeah like I've, I've heard um i think northern ontario like they're pretty desperate for lawyers so if, if you want to be a lawyer up there you probably have a job <laughs> if you're going to toronto is a bit more competition maybe mm-hmm. that's kind of where a lot of people end up so yeah, yeah it's, but it's definitely the smaller rural communities it, you may not have uh, many lawyers you may not have lawyers who practice what you need right or just like you might not have like pro bono like, you know, if you True. can't afford a lawyer, like yeah. these these services, you know, there's just mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of barriers for many communities that I feel like we forget about when we're like in a city like Windsor or Toronto or wherever. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I suppose that some could use technology, like, I don't know, FaceTime your clients or something, but it's not quite yeah. the same thing as actually having them in the same room as you and you can mm-hmm. consult with your lawyer on these, you know, difficult and often emotional topics. Exactly. All right, so we're going to be back with all of you after this short break. Um, we're, we have a great interview lined up with Vinay. He was a volunteer uh, with Pro Bono Radio last year. Yeah, so, so he was us last year. Yeah, <laughs> so looking forward to some of his insights, any perspective, um, anything he, he can tell us about you know, his views on access to justice would be great. So come back in a few minutes and we'll be right with you. Welcome back, listeners. We have our volunteer, Vinay, here today. And uh, so first, would you like to just uh, briefly introduce yourself, tell us uh, why you came to Windsor Law, and yeah. All right, perfect. Thank you so much, Mary, for having me. Erin, thank you so much for inviting me to this uh, really nice session that where we could talk a lot about pro bono radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, my name is Vinay Thapleal. I'm a second-year law student at Windsor Law. What attracted me towards law school in general and Windsor Law, of course, was access to justice. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a huge believer in providing legal services to people at an affordable rate. You know, for me, access to justice is whatever it means to you. So for me, what it means is, you know, can you as a person provide, as a, as a lawyer, sorry, can you provide legal services to people that can't afford it? Mm-hmm. You know, and what can you do to change the legal industry in such a way where you can provide services to people? And it shouldn't just be the elites of society that can afford lawyers. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So that's why I was attracted to Windsor Law and also my awesome. father. Yeah. So my mm-hmm. dad's a lawyer. <laughs> oh, he went to Windsor? Uh, he didn't go to Windsor, actually. Mm-hmm. He was a high court lawyer back home oh, and, nice. uh, in, in Mumbai, India. And, uh, you know, my parents left India for a better life for, you know, my family. Mm-hmm. And uh, they came here in 2003. And my father worked in odd factory jobs when he mm-hmm. first came here. You know, his degree wasn't kind of, like, evaluated, you know. Uh, and so he attended Osgood Hall while working in factory jobs. Wow. And that's, so That's a lot, of, a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How grown. did he do it? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so it was just pure resilience and mm-hmm. pure pure like tenacious, like, and that's how he is, you know? Right. And, um, and even my mom watching her, like, work and stuff, I think, like, it did make me see the world a little bit different. And so, you know, when he was, when I was 13 years old uh, and he graduated and, you know, he became called call to bar, he was told to change his name from Morari Lal to Mark uh, in order to get Are, a job. What? Yeah. That's a little offensive. <laughs> it was super offensive. offensive. Absolutely. It was super offensive. And so he's like, I'm not going to get rid of my identity. Um, you know, mm-hmm. screw your jobs. I don't care about Bay yeah. Street. Uh, and he launched his own firm in Brampton. Wow. And oh, I'm from Brampton. Oh, you're from Brampton yeah. as well? That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, Steels and Torbram? 
Yep, yep. Yeah, that's exactly where his firm is. Oh, wow. And now, yeah. That's so cool. And so when I was 13, I was, we couldn't afford any employees or anything like that because mm-hmm. we just started off, you know, it was very tough. Uh, but I was his first receptionist at the age oh, of 13. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Getting legal experience early. That's, that's pretty yeah, good Yeah, you put that on your resume. <laughs> so my story is actually different than most uh, law students because I actually was already in the business and then now I'm in mm-hmm. law school. So I'm learning the things that I should have learned and then it worked. I worked right. and then I, I'm learning now and then mm-hmm. you know but it's it's allowed for me to like Windsor in a lot of ways because I, I got accepted into Oscars so I could have went there mm-hmm. wow. um, but at the same time mm-hmm. I thought to myself like you know I didn't want things to kind of be handed down to me you know and if I was there my firm would have been 10 minutes away Oscar 10 minutes away right. it just I wanted to get away from everything so that I could start afresh my own identity build That's it really myself cool. yeah. right mm-hmm. and make connections here by myself without like you know my my dad's umbrella hovering and his, you know, right. his uh, reputation kind of just leading the reasons as to why I'm getting opportunities. I want to build my own opportunities. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be my father. I didn't want to be his son. So that's why I came to Windsor Law. Wow, that's um, so powerful. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good story. Wow. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And honestly, uh, Windsor Law has been such an amazing building block uh, for the way I think about the world as well. Mm-hmm. And even in Windsor, I, I, I love Windsor. Windsor yeah, has this beautiful generous. charm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, what are your experiences with uh, as to why you folks came in to Windsor Law? Well, I'm from Windsor, so it just was very convenient. And my family's here, and nice. I got accepted, so I'm like, why not? Let's mm-hmm. try it out. But yeah, nice. me. Too, I honestly, I knew about the access to justice um, aspect, and I, I always heard that like people at Windsor are like so nice and everyone's so supportive and it's like the atmosphere here is different than maybe other law schools Mm -hmm. and so that made me really comfortable coming here and it's been true since I've been here you know I really enjoyed it Mm -hmm. nice 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 yeah yeah I feel like the smaller community too helps um you just get to know people and that that Mm -hmm. it's easier to get new experiences in my opinion that way because like just through networking from your friends they tell you mm-hmm. you know they're doing this volunteer thing maybe you should do it too you hear about pro bono from other students doing it mm-hmm. so you know you mm-hmm. might as well try it out and see how it works and so far it's been working well for me anyway yeah and I feel like in Toronto like there's so many more things going on so like the the like community kind of breaks up a bit like you don't all have the same like experiences in the same you're not doing the same things but here it's like we're all kind of Mm-hmm. you know sharing these experiences together so absolutely yeah. you know one of the things that i like to say is i have actually met the nicest people like what it means to be canadian nice yeah. in <laughs> windsor and yeah. literally in windsor and the reason i say is i come from the gta right mm-hmm. so in the gta yeah people are nice that's great but when i came here i saw authentic nice you know mm-hmm. i was at a grocery store i wasn't actually at a grocery store i was at a gas station and i was there to you know go all ba- back home to you know GTA it was a four hour drive so I was like you know I might as well just grab some snacks so I mm-hmm. grabbed some you know chip bags and uh, literally the the cashier was like honey no what are you doing don't <laughs> you know what the price of this is here no she's like the dollar store is down the street <laughs> you'll get the same bag of chips it's gonna be for like you know a dollar and you don't need to like you don't need to spend all this money <laughs> and I was like how can you be so sweet and how can you be so kind and mm-hmm. so that's when I realized man Windsor has a great charm it does yeah. it does for sure and I want to stay so <laughs> <laughs> yeah so Vinay you did volunteer last year with PBSC in this same project the Magna mm-hmm. Carta with um along with CJAM um so last year what made you want to go ahead and volunteer with PBSC 
So when I was in my first year, you know, everybody tells you to get involved with different stuff, right? So I was really trying to find where, what that would be for me, what activity, what, you know, extracurricular could attract me. And Mm -hmm. when I looked into pro bono, I really liked pro bono. And I grew up with pro bono in the sense that, you know, my father would provide free legal services if you were a widow or if you were an orphan or if you had some kind of background story as to why you couldn't afford, you know, or if you're low income. So... I already come from that. So to see the diverse opportunities and projects that was introduced with Windsor Law and pro bono, that to me was automatically like, yeah, I want to mm-hmm. volunteer and I want to do this. And when I saw that the fact that they were introducing pro bono radio, now I have a background in radio experience. So I was like, this is awesome. This I was is for like, me. Yeah. we don't really have that, as many creative outlets. Mm-hmm. At Windsor Law or law students don't really have as much, right. so I'm pretty sure you folks probably like you know were like, man, this is way cooler, yeah, than what you expected <laughs> it to be. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was a little bit apprehensive going into it for sure, just because like I'm not the loudest person in the room, but mm-hmm. it's been like a good way to kind of like help me break out of that. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's just so it's so cool that we like get to do this, like we get to be in this room mm-hmm. and like interview volunteers, like it's cool. So yeah, absolutely. And it's not too hard once you start doing it because you're basically just talking to, like, I'm talking to Marie and I talk to a volunteer or two that come in every week. So I'm not, like, public speaking would be difficult for me, but something like this mm-hmm. is, is personal, right? Yeah. So you can invite your friends on the show and it's, it's fun. It's so like, I, yay. It. It's like, yay, no more small talk. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you, we really dig deep into yeah. the issues and I, I like that too about it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just ha- having that outlet to have these ideas out so definitely Mm -hmm. also being able to just talk to people um that transcends beyond this little space of a studio that we're Mm -hmm. talking in and just going across detroit going across windsor being able to you know whoever's tuning in right now can pretty much understand hey what are the cool projects that you know pro bono is actually doing how can i get involved with pro bono Mm -hmm. so for me this is a, a a the stepping stone for a lot of other cool opportunities that we can actually build through outreach. That's how I kind of like right. seen Pro Bono Radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you actually named uh, the show Magna Carta, right? So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how did you do that? What made you think of that? Well, we had our first meeting, uh, and we had that with Michael, with Kavian, uh, with Vinny. Uh, and so basically we were just trying to flesh out as to, sure, now we have pro bono radio. It's the first time we're going to do this. What should we call it? You know, mm-hmm. what would be an attractive name? And at that time we were learning about, you know, we were just being introduced into the law in first year. So I was like, man, why can't we just call it Magna Carta since, you know, no one's above the law. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And right. there's. A pretty cool story with regards to, you know, King John and, mm-hmm. and how they, you know, we, we left feudalism to have a little bit more political power, how the common person could have that by holding everybody accountable. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how in first year I said Magna Carta mm-hmm. as like the rule of law and no one is above the law. And now Aaron and I are taking a course in administrative mm-hmm. law. So we're really diving into what it means to, you know. Yeah have that level of impartiality or whatever right. in, within our legal spectrum. Mm-hmm. So to me, this was a really cool way to just have everybody just feel like they're equal, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's also, I think, just um, a good choice because a lot of people recognize the word, right? So even if you're not from a legal background, Magna Carta, a lot of people... You learn at least heard about it. Yeah, you've at least mm-hmm. heard about it. 
Um, and, and the word just flows, you know? Yeah. Magna yeah. Carta. It sounds good. It sounds good, too. Yeah. So. <laughs> I like it. I'm, I'm good with names. Like, that's, like, I'm good with, like, what to call this company. Like, I, I think that would thrive in those creative spaces. So mm-hmm. it was really nice. And just being able to work with the team, with Vinny, with Kavian, with Michael last year, and the fact that they were very open to these ideas, I think that, that to mm-hmm. me, was really cool. The fact that we could make it come alive, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you have a very significant role in developing this project, Pro Bono Radio. So can you tell us a bit more about um, the background, the history of developing the project and your role in it? Uh, absolutely. So I wouldn't say that I've, I've been like a, that significant of a person compared to like every single person that has worked towards all the way from the beginning, the root of Windsor Law and Pro Bono coming together to even think about this idea and then C-Jam and whoever, you know, who, all the actors that played a role in making that actually come true and alive. It, then it leads to an opportunity being created for students like me, law students like me, to mm-hmm. get involved with this project. So any, if anything, I give a huge tribute to Pro Bono, to Windsor Law, to C-Jam for being able to collaborate together for this. Right. So that's who has actually created this. I mean, I've just like, I've just said, hey, you know, Magna Carta and a bunch of people have just said, yeah, sure, let's call it that. (laughs) You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, who's the one who's provided us with all the projects and discussions to talk about? It's these volunteer pro bono folks, Windsor Law folks who've come together to actually make this thing a reality. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that would be if I were to, you know, provide the history of this project, it would be that mm-hmm. compared to like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I named this Magna Carta. And, right. Uh, you know, the, now, now there's a soundtrack. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it goes beyond that. And I feel like we need to s- actually pay tribute to collaboration and delegation. Mm-hmm. And this is like what this looks like. You know, the yeah. fact that, you know, we're all here now and it's being carried. And Aaron and Marie, you know, you folks are now mm-hmm. taking this to the next level. That's exactly mm-hmm. what we're doing. We're doing our best. <laughs> <laughs> There's a podcast though. We're we're gonna have we're putting oh, yeah. like all the shows onto a podcast. That, that was Surat awesome. actually. It's gonna be on Anchor FM. Anchor FM. Or just Anchor. Is Anchor or Anchor uh, FM? Anchor. Uh, an- just look up Anchor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It'll come up. It'll be up soon, I think. Okay. Yeah. Per- all right, folks listening, you gotta go. You gotta watch this out. All right. <laughs> just just do it for yourself. Awesome. Um. So, do you have any personal experiences uh, with public legal education or like any other kind of media? thing that kind of brought you to radio or that like helped you through that experience? Funny enough, I actually didn't even think of doing radio as much as doing maybe another project like the refugee um, project that was going on Mm -hmm. with Pro Bono. And the reason I chose that was because, you know, let's like I have my own immigration firm. So I I was like, hey, I already have the professional background. Why not just, you know, dwell into that? Mm -hmm. Uh, and, And on my resume, I do have a personal experience, which is I had my own radio show at U- University of Toronto. Oh, awesome. So I had a student-led, um, you know, initiative or project where we talked about, it was called the Jeremiah Kumar Show, and we discussed, like, campus activities as well as, like, entertain, like, whoever would be listening. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really, really nice to do that in undergrad because it allowed for me to kind of just be a little bit more open and uh, mm-hmm. be able to do these things and take on these kinds of projects. I mean, a lot of work goes into 
this, you know. Mm-hmm. And I guess, like, you know, when you're listening, it's like, you know, this is, yeah, this sounds great. But when you're actually doing it and you're controlling everything, mm-hmm. you know, that's when things definitely get a, a little sweaty. So yeah. for me, this was a really cool experience to bring on board. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that creative background of how already doing a radio show before um, was, was, was really, really cool. Because then mm-hmm. the, the folks that didn't have that experience could get that experience as well. And mm-hmm. so we learn from each other. Yeah. yeah, I definitely, like, wish I got more involved at my university, like, before coming to law school, like, took on more, like, creative projects, because now it's, like, we barely have time for this. Yeah. Like, law school is just crazy, so, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really special that you have that background. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And yeah. your background, I think, speaks to the importance of having, um, like, radio stations and shows in universities, right? And so mm-hmm. right now we're facing these challenges um, with the you know, Ontario legislature and possibly losing funding. Mm-hmm. So it, it, what you say like resonates with me and the importance of having a space for volunteers to come in and gain more experience in mm-hmm. media and radio and also be able to talk about you know their interests, their passions, um, and to further educate the community. So it's Absolutely. really important. Absolutely. I think you've said something very, very important. I think both of you have you've done that. You know, you've talked about the fact that, um, you know, within your undergrad, you didn't really have these experiences. Now you mm-hmm. kind of don't have time, like, to do more experiences yeah, like this. Yeah, they're just so important, for sure. And that's why this funding thing is, is sad. But hopefully we can, like, overcome move it. past it. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. And Aaron, Aaron, you've also given a very important point as well. Just the fact that this is important for us to kind of grow and learn. At the end of the day, you don't just learn from a classroom. You don't just learn from lectures. Mm-hmm. You don't just learn from books. Learning is a very holistic feature. Mm-hmm. Um, and sure. when you look at who gets accepted into law schools, well, it's holistic students, right? You know, the idea of being jack of all trades, right? Mm-hmm. And so if that is there, then we should have opportunities to be the jack of all trades or mm-hmm. you know, have that exposure where we can learn and we can grow. And it's important to support, especially for the listeners, it's important to support these kinds of initiatives like CJAM 99.1 FM radio because at the end of the day, this is students trying to entertain you or talk about something or Mm -hmm. create something or discuss something. So it takes a lot of effort to be able to do that. A lot of research goes into this. A lot of time goes into this. Mm -hmm. And so, you know... At the end of the day, when you respect it, you can listen, right? You have, exactly. Now you have the opportunity to listen. And if mm-hmm. we didn't have the funding, there would you know, be nothing for listeners to be able to kind of choose from, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're so right about that. Like, these kinds of experiences are so important to growth and to, like, becoming, like, your future lawyer, you know? Like, I think these experiences are crucial. Absolutely. So. 3,000%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so what you were just speaking, I think, touches on access to, ju- access to justice also. So um, in your opinion, how does this show help to increase access to justice, and why do you think that it's so important that we do so? Well, I would say the fact that pro bono was created for the purpose of access to justice. I mean, this is just a byproduct now of that. You know, in 1996, mm-hmm. they already started with trying to have so many different initiatives and what that would mean. Now, PBSC has actually been training law students and volunteers to help vulnerable Canadians within who have essential legal needs. You know, my, my opinion is that legal aid is not enough. You know, legal aid actually isn't enough. So mm-hmm. what pro bono does is it changes the dialogue for not only, you know, the legal community, but also the people that are out there who may want to support these types of missions where it's like, you know, let's help the people who can't afford legal services get legal help. Mm -hmm. Because 
a, you should have there should be a legal right. You know, you should have a legal right. You already have, we already have something like that in the charter, right? You have the right mm-hmm. to representations by a lawyer. So why not? Why shouldn't that transcend with legal services, where whether it's making a will or making, you know, yeah. and we have these cool projects now with pro bono, where mm-hmm. they're trying to help the elderly, you know, with understanding uh, the importance of a will and what, what that is. And so these little, little key projects go a big way into instrumenting for not only just students, but as well as the larger body of the community who's actually getting that help, you know? And so that dialogue in of itself, to me, is what access to justice really is. And it's what pro bono is trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And Windsor Law is like the, you know, the the pillar for access to justice sure. in Canada. Um, and I, I say it wholeheartedly, whether it's law professors that I've met, you know, in the last two years that have discussed their own perspectives as to access to justice and what they've done, all the way to how we push push it within our own student body, where we're like, mm-hmm. hey, be part of this. This is part of what it means to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. So that, to me, is why pro bono is awesome and access to justice is awesome. Yeah, that was really well said. <laughs> um, I don't know if you remember, Vinay, but I think yesterday Professor Xavier was saying that access to justice is a duty on lawyers, right? Like when you're called mm-hmm. to the bar, it's one of our duties that we agree to as lawyers. Mm-hmm. So I think it's good that we have an opportunity before we become lawyers to actually learn more about pro bono and hopefully as we get you know older in our career yeah. we continue to provide those services to people who need it absolutely mm-hmm. the fact that we have a access to justice class you know within yeah. our first mm-hmm. year we're already getting exposed to what that means social justice i know a lot of people look at social justice like oh man like you know and they have something to say about it right but hey at the end of the day we're a welfare state you know at the mm-hmm. end of the day 70% of the revenue that Canada gets is from income taxation, which is used to then facilitate other administrative you know, services that you are currently enjoying right now. So we can either keep complaining about things or you could be a building block advocate, right? Or you could be a building block person who can continuously try to create change, help with this initiatives. And in the future, you'll just see a brighter future. You'll mm-hmm. just see a, a future where, you know, the law isn't just something that is in deep pockets. The law is everywhere, mm-hmm. right? And again, you're right, Aaron. Um, within our rules of professional conduct, when you become a lawyer, we need to do all these services, like you know, in an expedited way, right? But then you see, you know, this culture of billable hours that people can't afford, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Versus now, you know, Windsor Law and all these other cool um, bodies of, you know organizations and all that good jazz who are focused on access to justice are introducing things like deferred payment methods. And you see that with Canadian Bar Association. So everybody right now is thinking the same things in, a, mm-hmm. in the same vacuum, but it's like we're not looking at each other talking about it. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I definitely think access to justice, like it's so important that we have that as a course here. And like they don't have that at every law school, right? Like mm-hmm. there's some that just don't require that kind of understanding. And so, yeah, that's really important that we do have that. Absolutely, Murray. Um, so last year, what would you say are some of the most like interesting topics or um, projects that you uh, covered mm-hmm. in your shows? So the Janice Funeral Home Arbor Memorial Project that kind of set out things for Wills was very interesting because actually, I was actually the only speaker that I was able to actually call on to the radio show. 
because uh, you know lostrins are very busy, very very mm-hmm. busy. So it was hard to get guest speakers, but to be able to understand that there was a guide being made, you know, for the elderly where they can learn a little bit more about their rights in layman terms. You know, mm-hmm. in law we always tend to have some kind of uh, legalese that people just can't understand, yeah. <laughs> right? And so. Breaking that down for the general public—that—that that is what pro bono is. That is mm-hmm. what access to justice is, right? And so, to me, that was really, really cool because it helps Windsor's elderly population. But my all-time favorite was uh, the Children's Aid Society. Uh, Section 43 project. And the reason why is because we were learning about Section 43 uh, in, in criminal law, uh, where Professor Elizabeth Brown was the one who was like, hey, you know, this is what Section 43 is about. And it dealt with, you know, uh, spanking laws. It dealt right. with okay. ch- like it dealt with children and it dealt mm-hmm. with uh, protecting people that could possibly discipline their children and what that looks like and mm-hmm. who that caretaker is. And so for me, I had a personal attachment to this because I come from a place where there's corporal punishment in school, mm-hmm. right? So I come from a background where as a kid, I was hit in school by teachers. So that negatively affected me in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I saw that there was a section in the code yeah. <laughs> that isn't written all too well, you know, where people can definitely have those gaps and you don't know what the fine line between discipline and yeah, abuse. broad. The, the language is quite broad. Exactly. Sure. And I, I, I really, really enjoyed talking about that specific uh, topic. I think that was mm-hmm. my favorite discussions of all times because we're having these different, um, you know, opinions. And mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, coming from a person who's been through this, <laughs> you know, and I was able to just be like, hey, this is this is what it is. And nobody benefits when a child is hit no. or, you know, or disciplined. Mm-hmm. And this is psychology speaking. Right. So. So what did the project do? Like, what exactly was their project yeah. about? So their project was about uh, doing research um, and, and in terms of, you know, the different caretakers and what mm-hmm. are the effects on, you know, these, some of these children that are going through this process within the legal system, okay. uh, as well as doing research as to the 52 different countries that are out there that have banned corporal punishment mm-hmm. and they've taken that out of their actual criminal code and all that good jazz where there's no protection for parents or caretakers or you know somebody who would be a legal guardian that that is hitting children or is spanking children or whatever you want to call it disciplining children um that to me was uh a very cool aspect of the project mm-hmm. that i think yeah, it's really cool. And that, that these these projects change the law. That's what people have to realize. These projects are the reason as to why you see society the way you do. Mm-hmm. Everything is rooted back. And that's what you learn in the law, right? You learn uh, there's a component of history that you learn. There's a component of geography that you learn, where what happened, you know, as to why it happened. So that's what I actually like about you know, these types of projects and really getting that in-depth understanding as to, hey, this is important for mm-hmm. the community to understand as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we've had, Marie and I have had four different shows before this, and mm-hmm. I think we've definitely learned like a lot about each of these different areas of law just from our own research and talking to the volunteers who come in. So it's mm-hmm. been like really helpful for us too, yeah, um, we've personally. Just, we've gotten a lot of like insight, which I feel yeah. like we'll carry with us. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if we're ever talking about these topics in the future, we can like refer back to the the experiences our volunteers had and like take that in for ourselves. Like, Absolutely. For a better understanding, so. No, I'm great. I'm great. This has been a great building block for you folks. Mm-hmm. What about you folks? I know you're. I'm like you know you're asking me all the questions. Mm-hmm. I'd like to ask you folks. I mean, what was your favorite um, project that you uh, covered uh, within Pro Bono Radio? 
Um, you know, it's really hard to choose one that I prefer the most. Like, I, I think I enjoyed all of them. We talked about, we've talked about wills, we talked about social justice, immigration, and um, sexual assault and harassment. But, um, well, like, for our last show, that was on, we talked about R.B. Barton and sexual assault, and I think mm-hmm. we could have talked probably for hours about oh, that. Oh, for sure. We, and, we're yeah. running out of time, for sure. With yeah. That. Our volunteers had so much to say, and we had so much we wanted to mm-hmm. to add. So that would that was a really great show, and mm-hmm. we probably could have done another show on top of that about the yeah. same the same topics. Yeah, I think that yeah. just really shows us, like, how, how meaningful these projects are. And yeah, that one especially, just because we could we could have talked about so many things because there were so many like intertwining issues and um, yeah. That's amazing. I'm so glad that you know you folks could get more in depth understanding as to what other leaders are doing mm-hmm. with these projects. And so that's the greatest thing about pro bono radio. You know, doing this project allows you to do every project. That's what I've said from the beginning. Exactly. Yeah. You know? I feel mm-hmm. the same way. In some way, it's like sure they're doing the work and they're doing the legwork, but hey, we're doing the outreach. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> and we get to like hear like the good things and the bad things and like exactly. what went wrong, what worked, and yeah. Absolutely. And you build such a good relationship as well with like, you know, the, the speakers who come out as well as with the project in of itself. And mm-hmm. uh, you you really deliver that to the public, you know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. very, very important. Um, so, Vinay, obviously you brought like quite a few skills into the project already. But is there anything you took out of it? Any skills or um, anything else that you learned from it? And were there any specific challenges you had to overcome in doing the project last year? Yeah, so I would say with the pro- the challenges that I had to face, um, basically the biggest challenge for me was the fact that it was very new, right? It was the first time we were doing the show. And it was hard for me to be able to get guest speakers where, you know, you're not just dealing with first years. You're dealing with first years, second years, third years. So mm-hmm. to make everybody's schedules kind of like come together and then outreach to students who are already so busy. Mm-hmm. And most of our shows, I mean... Like, we didn't record any of them. We just did them live. So Mm -hmm. it's whether could you make it during this time or not. Mm -hmm. Like, that was the big question. And so that level of, um, you know, if I were to do it again, right, Mm -hmm. um, I think having guest speakers would be such a cool, like, Mm add-on compared to just, like, two hosts going back and forth about a topic, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's one of the challenges that we had. And, you know, I brought in skills in terms of the radio experience that I already had, as well as being an MC for a lot of hosting events, whether it's academic, whether it's parties, whatever it is. I've always been, like, a social person. So it was really cool to be able to do that here as well. Um, And what I took away from this space was my understanding of the law, of pro bono, of initiatives, and more importantly, the Windsor community. Mm-hmm. Really understanding the Windsor community. I mean, I didn't know. I didn't live here. I didn't, you know, I came here for law school. Right. But after, you know, learning about what's going on here and, you know, who's involved with what, like, I feel like I'm part of this big family, you know? That's awesome. Oh, yeah. That's good to hear. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, you're part of Aaron's big family. Yeah. <laughs> um, so after Magna Carta, um, since then, has it inspired you to do other things? Absolutely. I mean, the creative element of Pro Bono Radio and um, this specific project has definitely made me go out and 
tinker about other things that could be done. Mm-hmm. And funny enough, we actually created a creative incentive at the uh, well initiative, sorry, at Windsor Law. So I spent a year trying to understand what are the gaps within legal education, right? What are we not learning? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, from there, I ended up co-founding the Legal Innovation Hub. And my co-founder is a professor in Edmunds, mm. who teaches awesome. advanced legal research. Yep. Yeah, it is. It's actually really, really awesome. The metaphysics behind this creation is education, you know, innovation and entrepreneurship. So the idea is, you know, in Ontario, seventy-five percent of lawyers or graduates are going to be in the business of law. Yet our students don't have the business skills to be yeah. competing mm-hmm. in in this kind of competitive legal marketplace. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what this hub does is it facilitates uh, an environment for us to be more educated, more innovative, and more entrepreneurial with where the future of the legal industry is headed towards. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's been such a cool, cool project that's that's you know it's been taken on by so many cool people. I mean, the advisory board consists of Professor Myra Tofik and uh, Professor Pascal Chapdelin, mm-hmm. uh, Professor Noel Semble. Uh, Dr. Franchin Schoschler. I mean, we've had a multidisciplinary team uh, with the support of both administrations, with faculty. And it's a student-led initiative at the end of the day. It's students who are like, hey, we want to change the way we want to learn things. Mm-hmm. And it's it's been, uh, uh, you know, we've been offered a space on campus as well. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm going to talk about a few things that we're actually currently working on. Yeah. I mean, that's okay. Yeah, yeah so go like, for it. So yeah. are you going to cover, like, what areas can be improved in our in our um, school, like uh, not in your school, sorry, what we're learning so we can become better, you know, lawyers in, in, in business and practice. Absolutely. Okay. And I think I think that's done through the initiatives that were actually like what this creation is. Mm-hmm. You know, we're introducing Windsor Law's first legal hackathon. So that's something really cool. And, you know, I believe that law students shouldn't be studying law, you know, in just one building by themselves. Mm-hmm. For me, multidisciplinary learning is critical learning. Mm-hmm. So if I'm learning patent law, well, who's creating patents? Oh, it's the engineers. Okay, so let's get the engineers and the law students to sit in the same room and learn something like, you know, or create a course where they can facilitate something that would be similar to what the future will look like when we're working, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, engineers would learn a lot from that too, right? Because exactly. in their future, in their career, they... And that's what yeah. actually suggests. <laughs> yeah. It's not... Like, my focus isn't just access to justice. It's also access to legal education. Yeah, exactly. Which is part of it, right? Like, access. Yeah. Yeah. And that transcends, exactly like you said, it transcends to access to legal services. Mm -hmm. So, for me, it's a big picture. It's just all about access. And that's what this this, this space kind of um, does, you know. We're focused on creative problem solvings. And so, uh, part of this uh, legal hackathon is, you know, this advisory board that I just mentioned right now. They're going to be posing a legal problem within the legal industry that's kind of going on. On right now. Now, law students have a chance to work with computer science students, with uh, engineering students, with business students to create solutions to these problems. That's whether they want to create an app, whether they want to create a computer-generated software, whether they want to create a policy, whatever they want to do creatively, that's going to get judged, and then you can win up to $5,000 as well as have a chance, hopefully, to get into an incubator and you know make into a real-life thing. Mm-hmm. So for me, this provides that creative, that creativity that's missing in law schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I'm not just going to single out in our law school, but it's every law school mm-hmm. out there. I mean, sure. 
this idea was sparked based off of Canadian Bar Association's future initiatives. And so for a year when I kept around, you know, kept talking about the gaps in our learning as somebody who came into law school as a serial entrepreneur, and I'm like, wait, you know, they're saying go on Bay Street. They're saying do social justice work. But what about the entrepreneurial student? Right. Mm-hmm. If statistics show that 75 percent of us are going to be in the business of law, I think we should be learning some business here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, we should be learning what is the business of law. And so this cool initiative, the Legal Innovation Hub, has definitely sparked a lot of interest. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, you know, we're, we're trying to focus on building a healthy ecosystem and the way we learn uh, through these different metaphysics, as well as, you know, just today uh, we entered into the Blue Sky Competition. Uh, so that was really, really cool. It's at the Epic Center. And mm-hmm. uh, basically, you know, it's fostering entrepreneurship and academics. Okay. And that's something that we've achieved with the Legal Innovation Hub. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to get law students to be a lot more involved with this project now. We did all the legwork. And now things are kind of kind of gets kick launched next mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's things like the hackathon. It's things like introducing software companies and legal innovators uh, you know, to teach us their softwares before we go into the field, mm-hmm. right? That's something that I kind of want to introduce. I want, if I'm learning real estate law, I want to also learn how to use their softwares like, you know, eReg or PC Law or mm-hmm. Conveyancer. Once I learn these things, then I'm better equipped to actually enter the marketplace. Mm-hmm. You know, when an employer asks Windsor Law students in the future, hey, why should we pick you over any other law student in Canada? The Windsor Law student is going to say, hey, listen, you know, I know how to use majority of the softwares here. You don't need to spend the summer or the articling position time trying to teach me how to navigate this thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because those, the people who actually like own this you know, legal innovation, they're teaching us, the students already. So I'm right. bridging that gap between that already exists between lawyers and legal innovators. So imagine what the gap is between law students and those innovators. It's right. crazy. So this space will bridge that and we'll be able to learn. And, you know, if those firms, again, if we're doing a job interview and our students are like, hey, why should we pick you? Well, when we're working there, we can also bring value now. And it's good for these software companies because it's like we can, you know, if that firm doesn't use those softwares and is struggling, we can say, hey, why not use this thing that I learned in law mm-hmm. school, mm-hmm. right? So this way, the entire legal industry is what I'm trying to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that's that's just a few, few things that, you know, uh, that we're working on. Um, yeah. That's really impressive. <laughs> good <laughs> for you. I mean, I'm impressed, yeah. Are there ways students can get involved? Maybe it's a bit late this year, but next year, would they be able to sign up for this? Um, Absolutely. Yeah? Okay. Absolutely. So we actually created our video launch. Um, so we're going to be sharing that, and every every law student is going to get an email based off of that, as awesome. well as hopefully the, the, all the other multidisciplinary uh, you know platforms here, whether it's the computer science buildings, et cetera, et cetera, where they'll learn that it's okay to you know, we'll learn together, right? Mm-hmm. Let's 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 stop like you know segregating ourselves and assimilating knowledge in one yeah. space in one right. hub, right? So yeah. that's exactly what it accomplishes. And the way students can get involved next year is by trying to you know number one uh, figure out whether they want to be part of this legal you know hackathon. Uh, if they have a creative idea, hey, we're all about flourishing creative ideas. So mm-hmm. if you're like, you know, we want to introduce so many things, we're trying to put ourselves on a digital platform. So, you know, we want to have podcasts and different guest speakers come in, mm-hmm. panel discussions talking about, you know, what the future is going to look like, how we can equip ourselves. And one thing that I didn't leave out 
that I think is super important as part of this is Windsor Law alumni. So mm-hmm. with alumni, we're always asking alumni for money. We're always like, hey, you know, we need <laughs> money. We need money. We need money. But, you know, we're not doing as much to give back to these alumni. Mm-hmm. And so by introducing Legal Innovation Hub, what we're trying to do is we're trying to convince these legal software companies that, hey, listen, why not also give our alumni a free year subscription to your software, see whether they like it or not, right? And so what that does is, again, it builds on the legal industry and, you know, alumni now are going to be like, man, you'd want to go to this school because, Mm -hmm. you know, you're getting benefits that (laughs) there are perks that you get, you know, being here. So Mm -hmm. for me, when we focus on entrepreneurship, when you focus on these things, we automatically get access to justice, mm-hmm. right? I, when I was in my business association class, they told me, hey, you know, access to justice and, you know, um, cor- like running a corporation, they can't coexist. But then my argument was, then why are you teaching us about corporate social responsibility? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Doesn't make sense. Corporate social responsibility is access to justice in certain ways. You could conceive it as to be that. So yes, it can exist in the same space. Mm-hmm. And what I want to do is I want to transform and I want to lead the legal industry. Uh, that's that's my mission. And I'm not here to do it alone. I'm here to work with people. I'm here to collaborate with good minds, with multidisciplinary minds. And I want to delegate when I'm not good at something, I delegate that off to somebody who is good at that, mm-hmm. you know. And that way I stay, you know, genuine. I stay, like, you know, I use my human ingenuity to make things work and, mm-hmm. and spark these types of creations. So, that's pretty much what's been going on. And I hope you folks uh, join in. Yeah, definitely. I have to look into that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so we're nearing the end of the interview. Is there anything else you want to add? I would just like to say thank you so much, Erin and Marie. You folks have been, you know, absolutely spectacular. And, you know, you've done such a phenomenal job this year with the radio show. And, you know, I'm not sure if you folks are doing it again next year. But it sounds like, it's like such a fun, promising, mm-hmm. you know, thing yeah. that... You mm-hmm. want to kind of continue to be part of. I really wanted to apply this year, but because I had all of these different projects yeah, going on, on your plate. Yeah. I was like, I don't think, you know, I wouldn't do justice to it. And I would want, you know, other students to kind of have opportunities to look right. into this as well. But mm-hmm. I love the idea of the podcast. And, you know, yeah. I'm looking really much forward to, you know, where Pro Bono is headed, where Windsor Law is headed, where we're all headed. And I think at the end of the day, um, you know, it's all about, Whatever we're doing here is for the community. It's for not just Windsor community, but, you know, communities across Ontario. I mean, these projects really, really help the people. And once the people recognize this, we are strengthened in numbers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I I totally agree with everything you just said. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You're very inspired. I like it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we we really appreciate you taking time out of a Friday to come on the show with us. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much for now. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, to all the listeners out there, uh, continue listening to CJAM 99.1 FM radio. (laughs) And Pro Bono radio. (laughs) All right, listeners. Well, it seems like we are just at the end of our time here. So I'll just leave you with, uh, once again, a quote. Uh, Today, our quote is from the lovely former Chief Justice Beverly McLaughlin, and it is that there's no justice without access to justice. Perfect. What a a perfect quote to end this on. I think think it's lovely. (laughs) Um, Let's just give a big thank you before we close up to everyone who made this possible, this show. So everyone at CJAM, everyone at Pro Bono Students Canada. Yeah, we're yeah. we're so grateful to have had this opportunity, and like Vinay said in the in the interview, it, it mm-hmm. would not have been possible without all the support from uh, everyone involved. So yes, we're very grateful. 
Yeah, so please tune in next week. Um, you can listen to CJM 99.1 anywhere and anytime by going to cjm.ca or follow them on social media. So this is Magna Carta Pro Bono Radio. Uh, please catch us at Friday from 12 p.m. My name is Erin. And my name is Marie. Thanks for listening. Have a great day, everyone.